Okay, Shed, you're on in five, four, three, two, wait, I'm just going to go. You know what? Davenport, Iowa is a city that no one really would associate with much going on because you hear Iowa and everybody like, wait a minute, nothing goes on in Iowa. It's a slow, real kind of simple date, really, you know, and it's full of pastures and corn. That's what everybody associates with Iowa. Um, however, Davenport, Iowa is slightly different. It's hard to put in the words, but it's a city that just sits right in there. It's like the third biggest city in the state of Iowa. But I, I'm very fond of my time there. It taught us how to do a lot of different things, a lot of different things with life, how to kind of be self-reliant. Um, at the same time, you had neighbors who would watch over you as if they were your aunt or uncle. And so it was a family vibe that was very kind of fast-paced for uh, Iowa City. You know, when I got there, my parents posted up their home in uh, Davenport, Iowa from Mississippi. And I was in second grade when I got up there. And I remember uh, my elementary school was the Adams Apaches. Very uneventful. It took me a minute to kind of get all settled down in. Um, I was kind of shy. I was a shy kid, if you can believe that. Um, I don't exactly know why I was so like a quiet kid. But as I grew up, that started getting a little bit more comfortable and meeting all my other friends and stuff and being invited to like uh, play dates and the kind of hangout dates and some, being part of some of the football games that they would have going on out there. It, you started to get to know people and getting settled on in a little bit more. And then I went on from elementary school, went to a ride across the street from Adams is uh, Williams Junior High. And we were the Hornets. So our colors were blue and white. This is a nice, sharp looking school. That's when I started to kind of like grow in into my, my own, I guess, a little bit, becoming a little bit more vocal. But still, you know, I was kind of a, like a puny kid. So you're surrounded by a bunch of the guys who were growing up and you haven't quite, you know, turned into a man just yet. And um, you're, you're really small. So I think that kind of uh, stood out of my head that I wasn't as vocal as what I ended up being later on in life. But uh, Williams was a great time because that's the first time I first remember meeting a really good young man name was Robert Lacey. I bring up Robert's name because even to this day, he's known to me as my best friend. And I never would have, I don't think anybody would have thought that him and I would be so well connected and, you know, partnered up the way we did as best friends and stuff, because we were just grew up two different uh, ways. I think Robert grew up kind of like closer to the downtown area of Davenport than I did. I was on the West end of the very, very West end. Robert was kind of down there, right? Right off the cuff of like a few more blocks down it's like into the the really the bad areas of davenport the, the downtown at that time was really kind of rough and so robert kind of grew up in a way that that was just kind of like um you know he he kind of had to deal with a lot more adversity i think than than i did i mean his his mom did a fantastic job providing him robert and his brothers with what they need but still you know you're a young guy surrounded by you know it was crime there was crime ridden areas around there drunk people dealers running around Around. The bad element really was right there. So, and Robert was anything but that. He was very intelligent, very smart. That's one thing I, I that stood out to me. He was a bigger dude too for at that time. He was I think six three. Most of everybody around who were in our group were as small as me. I'm like 5'10", so he was definitely our bodyguard type guy. No one really messed with Robert, but they didn't really know that Robert didn't really fight either. He was just a big, tall dude and stuff like that. And he, he was more of a lover than a fighter, So, but not really many people challenged that. And I remember our group of friends, we all had different personalities from each other. And it was really, really weird because I had a, we would always meet in my, um, my, my locker because my locker for whatever reason the lock was broken so we all kind of used my locker as the as the kind of the main hub if anybody was running late or they needed to throw something in uh, like a backpack or whatever uh, before they had to go to class they would just throw it in my locker and then so every, pretty much everything in the every time in the morning it was we met like where where my locker was and it was a good little gang we had to we had like people a bunch of everybody really mostly it was the black kids and stuff who kind of stuck together for we just I had a lot more in common, I think, than anything else. So that's why we were all like kind of posted up together. I wouldn't say anything like it was a segregated type situation. We just, we all kind of had similar styles. We played sports and then, then you know, and we all kind of 
uh, would meet up at the certain places. If we met at the, the YMCA, we'd play basketball. There was several parks that were here and there um, all throughout the city. And then so on like Saturdays and stuff, we would all just kind of keep in contact with each other. Hey, which park are we meeting at? And we just go hang out out there. So for, for that, we, we had a lot in common. But I remember we were also bored like Iowa kids too. Not much else going on. And the funniest thing happened. And <laughs> all of a sudden, one day, I opened my locker and there's this note in there and it had drawings of all of us, all the people in our gang. It was like five or six of us and it had drawings of us and it was caricatures of us. It was strange because I've always been known to kind of have bigger ears. So if you look at this drawing, my ears are like huge. And then um, a couple of the other guys, uh, one in particular kind of was known to kind of have kind of like a big old snoz on him. So his nose was like t about the size of his head. And then I can't remember what they did with Robert, but uh, <laughs> but it was something funny. It was a drawing. And it wasn't funny at the time because we're looking at this and it came off as sad as it sounds. It came off as if we were being targeted by some of the white students because it was basically making fun of us for, for being black and our characteristics that they associated with being black. And it just, everybody was hot. It just came from no, from nowhere. And we start roaming around and this big old ruckus started and stuff. And we like, wait, who the fuck did this? Who did this? And one of our guys in the group, I'll not say his name, but he was more wild out than anybody. And he was just going down the line, pushing and shoving anybody who was white and saying, did you do this shit? Who did this? And everybody didn't know what what we were talking about. And it was, it got so bad to, you know, like the next day there was another letter like that and they all kept coming into my locker, you know? And then so it, it was really weird. And before anybody could stop and think what could actually be going on, it started trickling all throughout the school and causing some divide, you know, to the point where the vice principal, I remember coming down, kind of trying to investigate and and everything and you know they did that was like in 87 you know um no actually was, i can't remember exactly when it was but it was back in the 80s so you know that's when the some of the rules nowadays weren't in, in existence so you know a lot of these guys they didn't really like kind of know how to quell like a disruption between two different races and sides and stuff. At that days, it was just call the police, call the police. You know, it, they didn't know how to speak one particular language over the other to get unity and calm down the situation. It was like more like push the red alert button, call the police, and then everybody's going to disperse and then we'll just pretend like nothing happened. That's how things used to work back in those days. So there was never any like kumbaya type moments and stuff to really kind of sit down and say, okay, let me look at the letter and, or this note or whatever this drawing thing is and stuff, because had they had done that, they would have started to see something very similar with these letters. And you know, where I'm getting at is that each one was drawn in such a weird way that it wasn't, it was more funny than anything. There was nothing in it that was calculated. Now I've seen letters that were very direct, like get out of town, nigger, you know, that type of stuff. It wasn't anything like that. It was, and, and it was obviously so long ago, I can't really remember what it was. So in the end, after all this ruckus and these fights would erupt between the white kids and the black kids and all that stuff, <laughs> the twist of all twists came down. We found out that it was one of us being funny and doing it to each other. We were doing it to each other and having fun because we were bored and nobody knew it until we tore down half the school and terrorized everybody else. And I'm not laughing at it, but it was just kind of like, why did that go down like that? Uh, you know, you know, and at the same time, though, we were able to kind of use that as a catalyst to kind of get close because, uh, like I said, me and Robert kind of, you know, we grew up in the same city, but we had two different type backgrounds. And but I was really starting to see at that time that Robert was really, really upset. He did not like seeing somebody making fun of somebody like me. Uh, or one of the other guys and uh, who didn't suffer the fate uh, that some of the other ones did. But what ended up happening is that we found out that it was us playing pranks on each other. And But I was able to see since uh, from then that my guy, Robert Lacey, really, really was upset by almost like a, you know, like another brother to me, you know? And so we go on to, we move on to high school. Uh, we go to West High School. 
And, you know, and it was the same thing. Him and I would, we, you know, when we were able to drive, we'd go to each other's houses, we'd hang and stuff, and we, we'd go meet up with all kinds of other friends and stuff like that. And, and we just hung tight. There were some situations here where, you know, the, the older you get, you start doing more things out there on, out in the streets and stuff like that. And then, you know, you're still young and you don't qu quite know how to act and stuff. And uh, even in those days, mixing a little bit of alcohol and all that stuff here, even though you're not way too young to be drinking then there then all kinds of silliness and craziness happens and stuff like that so i remember one time me robert and a couple others would go to this club it was a 18 or younger club that they used to have out there like stage two i think it was in bettendorf and robert was having problems with this girl and so whatever reason she started well anyway one of the guys who lived across the bridge from davenport started to try to put moves on his girl so like i said robert and i had become so close like best friends that i once i heard about it i'm oh no no dude i can't remember the dude's name but it was like there's no way in the world we're letting this dude freaking take your girl you know so he was at the club that dude was at the club too once the club ended you know we'd get in our cars and stuff and then i remember us being in the parking lot and behind their car and so one of the guys in our car and i'm gonna say his name and i'm gonna bring his name up later on and you guys are gonna really trip when i tell you what ended up happening to him a good friend of ours at times named steve mallory so steve's in the car I'm in the car, Robert's driving, you know, I think, I can't remember who else was in the car, but the rival was in the car in front of us. And they were, you know, we were all trying to get out. It was a backed up parking lot stuff. So Steve's like, hey, follow my lead on this. So he's like, Robert, pop the trunk. <laughs> so we're just a bunch of square balls from Davenport, man, trying to act all hard, you know? I mean, everything we did was like, we tried to pretend like we were like really badasses, but we really weren't. So if anybody caught our bluff, we were probably getting decked in the head and laid out, but we had the ability to be loud and scared people. So in this particular case, Steve put his hands inside the trunk and made it look like he was, and I hate to say it like this, but he made it look like he was getting a gun ready. And there was nothing in there, but he he made it look like he did. So the, anybody like in the cars nearby, they would look like, oh shit, something's about to go down. So, and that was the plan to make them think that they're about to get bum rushed. And those dudes found a way to kind of like skirt around the traffic and stuff. And then, then they hide tailed it out of there you know what ended up happening is later that day that dude calls the girl she and then he's always like these guys man they were about to you know and then they weren't found their other friends then now they're mad it was just like you know and then they want to even a score because of i guess they got scared and all that stuff but now they're with their friends and stuff so back and forth back and forth started on the phone and it was just over silliness and and nobody was really like there was nothing else other than we're in the stupid rivalry like uh back and forth with each other and you know it's always one of those things where if the girl wants to move on just let her move on but it was one of those things like no she's not stealing my girl and like no he ain't messing with my dude robert lace's girl you know and it was just silliness we're like 15 16 years old or 17 years old at that time was just really ridiculous so what ended up happening is that you know those guys would strike back call us all kinds of names and stuff and there was one time when um uh, we went to a track meet over there on that side of the bridge i think in the rock island area it was me robert Robert and our track team and we got surrounded by their guys and then we almost got our butts kicked at the track meet you know thankfully the parents and the staff caught wind of what was going on and they they got in the middle and they resolved it but we were outnumbered like by 10 15 plus so we got punked on that particular case and it was just like a rivalry davenport and rock island would always go at it those two cities hated each other and this was just another case of that so we ended up losing that one because you know we, we had to get saved by our freaking parents who did like this human shield around us as they ushered us out to the buses. It was pretty funny now that I think about it, but it wasn't really funny at the time because we were just trying to run a track meet and then uh, here we are about ready to get pounced on. So that was round number three. So round number four came one night with me and Robert and one of our other friends to kind of pay these dudes back. So we go on their side of the bridge, right? And we get over there, we start creeping around and we say to ourselves, hey, what do you want to do? <laughs> so um, again, you got to picture uh, a group of young black kids who are trying to perpetrate as if they're hard and they're really not. They don't know how to do it, but they're going to perpetrate how they are. So we come up with our plan. Our plan is this, we find out where he lives, we park our car, <laughs> we park our car down the road, and then we're gonna walk to where he is, right? And it's dark. So we all look at each other and they're like, there's this house. All right, 
let's go. And we creep on up and all that stuff. So we walk up to the house and instead of like doing anything else, we ding dong ditch him. And we take <laughs> off running. <laughs> and then we see him come out. He's like, hey, who is that? We're in the, we're in the hiding in the background in the park across the street, laughing and smirking. Like, look at him. <laughs> and we're having a blast. We do it again. Once it calms down, he comes back out. This time he has his parents, his mom or dad out there with him too. <laughs> and we're still laughing our butts off because we rung the doorbell and we hid and we're just laughing and just laughing at these guys rather than leaving it there our dumbasses decided man let's do it one more time let's just drive back down there we'll hop out right quick and jump in the car and then we'll do it one more time that was fun and yeah like i said we're kids right so we go and we're driving down the street and this particular time they had called the cops and there's a there's a freaking cop car out in front of their house and they're out there talking to the cop as we drive by <laughs> and we get like right up next to him and, the, and I just remember the dude pointing at the car. There they are right there. And the cop looked and he gets on the radio as he runs to his car. Robert takes off. Boom. <laughs> we go down the block and this cop is like right behind us. And all we were doing was ding dong ditching this guy. But they didn't know that. And so and by rights, we should have just stopped and said, officer, sorry. We we're just being stupid kids. We sh That's what we should have done. We didn't do that. We fled. And Robert goes down the block, does a quick ride and it was snowing out and everybody familiar with the slush out there in Iowa knows that it's going to take you anywhere it wants you to go. So he makes that turn and, and we lost control of the car. It goes zoop up the sidewalk and into this neighbor's yard and got smashed up then over there, I think, in their bushes and stuff. Me and Robert and Corey, oh, sorry, it was it says name. <laughs> we all take off, right, in all different directions and I'm gone. I don't know which way they went, but I found out later on what ended up happening. So they're running and they're hiding in between yards. One got caught by a cop and tried to play it off, but then the cop knew he was one and then captured him. The other one tried to hide in, uh, I think, a little salon, uh, hair salon or something like that and put a magazine up against his face So, because the dude and their family and their friends started roaming around and looking for people. <laughs> then they, they spot him and they knock the magazine out the way and he's getting torn up. Then the cops come and they see that. And he starts yelling for the cop. Hey, hey, we're here. And so he got saved, but he got caught too at the same time. So everybody goes to jail. You know, I'm going backwards because I didn't know that at the time because I kept on running and I was gone. You know, that's when, you know, I mean, I had like, like some speed from left and right that day. Cause as I was sprinting down the, the road to get out of there, I see nothing but squad cars or lights and sirens on coming up that way to help. And I'm just, oh shoot. So I ducked behind the trees and stuff. And I'm thinking, I was like, what just happened here? We were freaking playing ding dong ditch what's going on here and all these uh emergency vehicles come from all over the place and stuff and i'm just like i just kept on running i kept running from one side of rock island down through their downtown district i mean i ran across one of the bridges uh, we're talking about like 15 20 miles of running got over to our side of the bridge and i'm like running out of gas now i've been running for like hours now finally i got a ride from a friend who I had them drop me off at Robert's house because I was hoping that Robert at the time got away and then he would get back to his car and he got back home. But I found out when I got to his house from a relative that, oh, you look for Robert? Um, yeah, here he is. And then he takes me where they had like the phone and the uh, voice recorder and he pushed play and you can hear Robert. <laughs> I'm not laughing, but it's pretty funny. You hear Robert's voice. He's almost in tears. And mom... Um, I need you to come to the Rock Island Police Department. <laughs> it's funny now, but man, that was scary. And I just knew it. I'm like, oh, dang it, they got caught. And that just meant I'm going to get caught. Um, and so I just told my dad what happened. I said, dad, I'm sorry. Here's what happened. And the funny thing about all that is that for the charge of ding dong ditching, I had to get taken down to the Rock Island Police Department by my dad the next day. And they brought me into the police department. And I still think there's a slight chance that this was a setup, that they did this to send a message to this young kid that you, you better straighten your life around because there was no way, no real way that they could charge us with anything, you know, especially the past. Passengers. They took me in the back and they fingerprinted me. They made me sit in a cell for a minute. And I was just like, wow.
uh, me and Robert were taught some tough love about how you're supposed to be acting as a, as a young adult. You know, it's time to grow up, basically. And I think we did. So Robert Lacey and I became very close friends and stuff like that. Um, we still keep in contact with each other. Uh, Robert ended up turning his life around, going into the military service, and I ended up going to college. He went, to, actually, he went to college too, and then he ended up going to Western Illinois. I went to Northern Iowa, I mean, but we keep in contact with each other. Uh, even though uh, Western Illinois was our hated rival at Northern Iowa, him and I both would keep in contact with each other, and we would hook up when we can, like during the off. off season and all that stuff uh, we still go out and kind of talk and, and kind of hear how everything's going on lo and behold my guy robert lacy went on to become a police officer in milwaukee so that's when everything is just just falls into place because we were saved we were young, some young stupid acting kids and stuff who would do like really really stupid stuff just like any other kid growing up at that time but we had family and friends and coaches who did everything they could to steer us in the right direction. And I wanted to thank pretty much the people of Davenport, Iowa for how we were raised because there's statistics that still show there's several people from that Davenport that I grew up with who are no longer around. You know, I mentioned the name Steve Mallory who was in our, or in our car when all this whole drama started with this girl. And it all started from when Steve got out of the car and like, hey man, let's punk these dudes and stuff. And I don't even know at this time, he might've even had a real gun you know I'm, I'm just being honest he might have said pop the trunk and he was probably trying to get something out i don't know i just assumed it was like let's pretend that he has something but he might have really had a gun and those guys saw it and they just hightailed it out of that parking lot but you know steve chose the wrong path when he graduated he went off and he didn't do much with his life my understanding is he got hooked on drugs he uh you know alcohol that stuff and everything started living a homeless life down there and he was living in shelter and stuff and there's this incident that happened where he assaulted like seriously assaulted like with a nasty punch to the head type assault to a, one of the homeless directors over in rock island right so that happens over there he flees and then he, now he's walking across the bridge from the rock island side across the centennial bridge back to davenport so he just committed a serious felony injured this dude pretty bad and now he's walking away so that call comes out and he's walking across the bridge and the other side of the bridge is rock island so he's walking from the rock island side back over to the davenport side where he's from so the description comes out tall black dude you know coming from the homeless shelter and so there's a video that got captured on the police cam that shows the altercation steve and i didn't even recognize him when i would watch the video guys I, you doesn't it doesn't even look like steve at all because he was a really skinny dude he was always tall obviously but he was really really skinny this dude is tall but bulky and like kind of big and husky scary looking actually so the dash cam on the police car shows the cop pull up and he gets out and he starts to talk to the guy you know he's calm and casual at first but he's very direct all right step over the other side of the railing and get on the ground he has his gun out or actually he has his taser out and not a gun then steve's like what for? And um, the guy's like, just do what I tell you, get on the ground. And then Steve, and you can see it coming because it's very clear in the video, Steve is already plotting something. So he steps over the other side of the railing and he pretends to turn his back, but he's also turning his round and looking back at the officer at the same time. And you can tell that he was planning something. So me being a cop, I know now that what the officer should have done was kind of kept an eye on the guy, not get out until other officers come, maybe just update his position, obviously, because this is a big dude. You definitely don't want to be doing, I, I guess, I got to be honest, you don't want to do what the officer ended up doing, which is try to take this guy down by himself without any backup on a bridge. They're on the very top part of the bridge, right? So Steve's not having it. He's in a different world right now and uh, just not not the Steve that I remember. Steve was a funny dude, very likable, funny dude, kind of kind of uh, comical too. But he was very, you know, you didn't mess around with him or his friends and stuff. It was that Davenport thing, you know, you just didn't mess around with his boys and stuff. And you could just kind of tell. Obviously, the officer didn't know that, that guy could go off. And I think had he had known that, he probably would have waited. But the officer didn't. So Steve turns around and starts to come at him. The officer tases him, and the taser doesn't have any effect. So Steve and turns around and clocks the officer, knocks him backwards. And this is, you don't see this part of the video because it goes out of view. They both wrestle on the ground. Steve's on him, just hammering away. Luckily, an off-duty cop who's 
on the bridge at the same time. He gets out and he goes to try to assist, but Steve is just, he's a wild dude right now. And he literally tries to grab this officer and he's about to throw him over the side of the bridge. It, it, it immediately death because Mississippi River, just no one swims in the Mississippi River at all for recreational purposes because it's just that rough. It's a scary river. You, you just, it's unswimmable. So, and then that type of a drop, he would have died 100%. So this officer was fighting for his life, literally. So he pulled out his gun and they shot uh, Steve. Shot him several times in the chest. And Steve, now you see Steve kind of fall forward in front of the cop car. And then he um, ends up dying right there. So, um, but the officer's life is saved. And, but he got that pretty good. He needed surgery and all that stuff. And uh, thankfully the other off-duty cop was there to help save his life. And then, but we lost, uh, we lost Steve in the process. So fast forward, when I became a cop, I actually, I showed that video at one of the lineups and, you know, I always try to keep my K-Shed on cuff show light. So when I played that video for our, our lineup, my Sergeant, uh, Sergeant Cotty at the time, he thought it was, he was very happy that I played that video because, you know, you can learn from it and everything. Uh, there's many different coaching points and stuff, stuff to go over that's helpful for the younger officers. So after I played the video, Sergeant Cotty thought that my friend, because I said my friend's in it, Sergeant Cotty thought my friend was the cop. So after it was done, he's like, man, Kenny, your guy charged this weapon perfectly and took out threat. And I said, no, actually, Sarge, my friend was the other guy he killed. And he's like, oh. And the, it was kind of a weird, kind of awkward moment for a moment that everybody was like, oh, okay. Man, where'd you grow up? And I'm like, Davenport, Iowa, man. So, but Robert and I, we took the right path. And he, Robert is a guy who I had as my best man. I was his best man at his wedding. We keep in contact with each other. He takes care of my um, my daughters as if like he's their uncle. Whatever they need, he takes care of them. He's always been there. We'll when I go back to Davenport, we'll try to meet up. And he means a lot to me because of when I became a cop, I was struggling and I needed to know some of the different things that he was teaching me in order to help settle me on in. And he wasn't judgmental like a lot of the other police officers I was working with, he wasn't like, dude, man, you know, you know, they don't want to be around you if you're making mistakes, stuff like that, because it affects their reputation. Robert could care less about that. He was like, you know, definitely sergeant material already. And he would just tell me, man, this is what you should do. Here's how you handle these type of situations and stuff. I'm about to bring him on board. And I'm going to tell you how I really, really first started knowing that Kenny is time to grow up. Robert had already made that transition. He was no longer this knuckleheaded kid from Davin running around there acting a fool uh one time when we were younger him and i did a challenge one day when we were driving from rock island and coming back home we just came from the club out there we were feeling pretty good and we were young now so none of this stuff should go back to bite my man robert i'm not a cop anymore so it doesn't matter for me uh robert is still uh with the milwaukee police department i look forward to talking about that but one day we come from a bar i can't remember i was driving or if he was driving and i'm sure you can see what I'm talking about from there. We said, let's drive from here all the way home without stopping. <laughs> it was the dumbest thing I think we've ever done in our lives. Either one of us, whoever was driving, that was the dumbest thing that, that they've ever done. And then whoever was the passenger was the dumbest thing that they've ever done for allowing it to happen because we literally drove from the downtown district of Rock Island through all the different uh, roadways, through lights. There was many different lights all kinds of traffic. Uh, you had to go over bridges. You had to go through the downtown area, again, of Davenport. Then you had to go up hills to get to where the houses were. You know, you, there was more city streets and stuff you had to drive by with lights and everything, stop signs, all that stuff. And I'm not laughing because it was, it was the most reckless thing I think I've ever done or been a part of, actually. But we literally drove from one side of Rock Island, 10, 15 miles away through traffic, city streets and the roads and stuff without stopping at all. We went through red lights. We went through traffic. We passed vehicles who had preparing to stop. And uh, man, and I don't know how we made it home. That's what I'm saying. I mean, we've been given several chances to do the right thing. And we were just two knuckleheaded Davenport, Iowa boys who just had to grow up. And I think we've done that. I'm really, really proud to have uh, Robert on. I want him to talk about some things. The dude had a heart attack, guys, and almost died. 
died while he was working as a cop. And rather than anything, he learned what was needed, turned things around health-wise and diet-wise and stuff. And he's back out there, guys. He's such a, an example of what it takes to, to really continually excelling and making it work in this world and being grateful for the, the powers that be because of keeping them here. And he's giving back to the youth. Uh, and so I, there's, so many, there's so many things that I would like for him to be able to share with you guys because obviously our um, outlooks on life are the same. He's a black kid who grew up in, you know, kind of like a all-white neighborhood in the city like me. And but there's so much we still feel like we can give to this world um, until our days are done. So um, when we take our break, we're going to come on back. And Mr. Robert Lacey, who when we were growing up, his nickname was Romeo Blue. I kind of want to know how that came about. At the same time, my name in the group was called Baby C. And that used to confuse the hell out of everybody because like they're saying, Kenny, your name doesn't begin with C. I'm like, yeah, it stands for Cupid because I was born on Valentine's Day. So you had Romeo Blue, Baby C, Hooky J, Hitman, all kinds of cool nicknames for some cool cats from Davenport, Iowa. And all of us, I believe, have done a really good job out there when it comes to taking on adversity and then figuring out a way to make it work. So uh, Mr. Robert Lacey, y'all. Everybody, give it up for my best friend, Rod and Die Dog, from way back in the days of Davenport, Iowa, man. Yeah, he's from Iowa, too. I'll give y'all yeah, five man. minutes to throw your Iowa jokes at Robert, because y'all hit me all the time. <laughs> but get Robert Lacey, y'all, but give him a hand first. This is Robert Lacey, one of my best friends, one of the dudes that, that will do anything for anybody out there, and he's been that way since day one. So, Robert, thank you for joining us today, sir. Oh, thanks for having me, brother. Thanks for having me. Always good to see you, man. Hey, is this oh, Milwaukee's man. finest that I have with me today? Yeah, I'm still there. I'm still there. I got till uh, November 16th, and then uh, we're going to um, make it official to be, it'll be 25 and out. So November 16th. Yeah. I might have to write yes. them down. When, is that going to be the retirement day ceremony, or is that the retirement party? That's just retirement day for me. I'm, I'll be gone November 16th. I won't be there no more, so... They might be looking for me, but I won't be there. <laughs> yeah. It's been quite the career, huh? Yeah, it's been, it's been 25 years. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I was telling our listeners that, you know, all the, the, the craziness you and I used to do and get ourselves into, and obviously, I'm not going to do anything to compromise. And maybe I might even let this be a little bit more unfiltered. And then I'll just release our episode after like like November twentieth or something like that. So nothing can back there. You go. Hopefully the statute of limitations have expired by now, I hope. <laughs> on some of the things that we've done. <laughs> it was all innocent, man. We're just kids. Yeah, we're just kids. You know, everybody have fun, you know. I gotta have fun. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I was for telling sure. them, yeah, that's for sure. And we go, we go back. But I was telling them how I really started realizing that I was the one who needed to grow up and get serious about everything. That one of the one times when you came down, you know, from the Midwest and you, you know, you stayed with me and we did a ride along. We did, we hung out and all that stuff. But you were different. Yeah, yeah. You're very. You had just started being a cop and stuff. Years on, a little couple years on. But I could immediately tell the difference. Like, something's not right with Robert. He seems very professional and even more mature than he's always been. And then how yeah. I really, really knew it was time was when we were coming back. And I think uh, uh, we were coming back from the city of just kind of partying and all that stuff. I was partying. You were being very responsible. And I think you end up driving us home. But and we were stuck in a little bit of traffic. And I had to go to the bathroom. And so I said, hey, man, pull over. He's like, pull over? On the freeway? I'm like, yeah, I got to go to the bathroom. And you gave me that look like, dude. Uh, and right before I was about to get out and go up to the street, like, you know, I'm a cop now, man. I can't be messing around anymore. And it's like, you're serious, huh? You're serious about this. And I, right then I said, man, I closed the door and I just held my bladder like, I'm like, I can't get Robert in trouble, right? I don't remember that. I, I, I kind of I remember I'm going to be on the freeway. Barbara, I don't remember how the bathroom thing went. I don't yeah. remember. It might have been a test, though, too. What's that? <laughs> it might have been a test. Like, is Robert really all responsible now? And, uh, yeah, you proved it, man. And and, and tw here you are 25 years later, man, after, after putting in your time and effort. Has it been an easy job? Uh, 
it's been a good job, you know? It's been a good job. Not easy, but it's been good. You know, it's been good to me. It's been good for me. You know, it, it gave me, it gave me uh, the foresight to see what I should have done when I was younger, like stay in school, get your education, get to the degrees, because in that way you're not working a job where you're on the elements all the time. You're not working in the rain. You're not working in the snow. You know, it's hot or it's too cold. You know, I always wanted that office job, but I was never smart enough to, be a, you know, to get a job like that. So I had to become a worker, you know. It's, it's a working job, you know. I mean, have you always felt like as a as youngster that you wanted to be out there being a worker, though, too? Even though, but I, I'm sure steadily move up the chain, but, uh, you know, running and gunning yeah. is kind of fun, too, right? The running and gunning was fun. You learn, you learn a lot. You meet a lot of people. You know, you make a lot of friends, you know, that, that are civilians or law enforcement, you know, you get to meet a lot of people, you get to, you know, experience a lot of things in life. I mean, I don't, I don't regret it at all. You know, not one regret at all. I think it's, uh, it's good. You know, it's a good experience for me in my life. It, it, it kept me grounded and focused. So, so yeah. Were you in the Navy or the Army? Navy. Navy for, for a couple Navy. years, right? A couple years, yep, yep. It was, then went to reserves. And then when I got out, I went over to uh, a buddy, my buddy Eric got me on with the uh, the sheriff's department, Scott County Sheriff's Department. So I worked in the jails there for a few, about, about six years, maybe. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And then um, I, I went to Milwaukee, just hanging out, being young still, and we we're partying and stuff. And one day we we're watching TV, and my buddy goes, "Hey, look, Milwaukee's hiring for uh, police officers." And we're like, "I think we should apply." He goes, "Yes, go down and apply." We went down, we applied. I never thought anything else about it. And then, like, four years later, they hey, you apply for a job. Do you want it? And I'm thinking, do I want to live in Milwaukee? And I said, how, how much are you guys paying? And they're like, they told me the amount. And I was like, I'll be there next week. <laughs> <laughs> it went down like that? Yeah, yeah. And that's just what happened. I went, went to my boss, and I was like, hey, I hate to give you a short notice. I said, but the police academy class starts. And a week and a half, and he, and he just looked at me and goes, hey, go enjoy yourself. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, thank you so much, Mr. Black. Thank you so much. And, and I've been here 25 years. Yeah. So it's, it was, so that's not even counting the six years you did with the county? That's 25 no, that was, that was in, that's 25 with Milwaukee. I did six years Dang. with Scott County. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've been in law enforcement like all my life now. But yep. you know who was a real a good the, an, an influencer on me going that route? And he was, I call the man a genius. I call him a genius. Willie. No. He had, Willie had some effect on, on it too, my big brother Willie. But the, the main guy, the main guy was his, was his, was his officer that I knew in, in Davenport as a kid growing up. I ran into him when I was younger, you know, like a JTPA program I was in. And I got sent to a scared straight, like a kind of like a scared straight before it was scared straight. And I got sit down to the jail, and um, and it was this tall officer. He had this mustache, you know, and he had that that look. And he was like, I brought up, and he was like, Hmm, are you getting in trouble? Really? Because I know your mama. And I was like, Oh shoot, I'm really in trouble here. He was like, Don't get in trouble no more. And I was like, Okay, okay, Mister Shed, I won't. Oh, I won't. <laughs> Mr. Shed. Yes. Oh, really? Yeah. I love that man. I met that guy. I tell you, he's he was a big influence on it too. I could thought about what can I do with myself? What can I do with my life? As I got older, became a teenager, you know, playing sports and stuff. You know, I was average. You know, so I know it wasn't going nowhere. But I'm like, man, what, what else can I do? You know, to better myself. And I said, like, you know, I'm, I'm going to the military. You know, I joined the military. It was good. I learned. You know, and then uh, when I got out, I was like, I'm not going back to those wars. I'm done with that stuff. So uh, I got to find a job. I got to work. You know, I've, my mama always told me, if you don't work, you don't eat. Hey. So I'm not fat for no reason. I, I work. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, wow. It's so that it doesn't get more cut and dry as that, man. You were you had some great people around you guiding you along the way. Oh, yeah. You know, and and I do now that you say that, I do remember you would call me and say, "Hey, how, is, is your dad home?" And it was mostly because you wanted to touch base with them. And yeah. and it's so funny, Robert, and because when I and I was telling the listeners earlier, when I started to become a police officer, 
I was reaching out to you. So basically, yeah. you know, my yeah. dad handed you his hand and you handed me your hand and you pulled me up to, so we can learn this thing, man. It's not easy. Yeah, yeah. he said he set the tone. He set yeah. the tone for the for that to go, which is nice. And yeah, so much appreciated, you know, so I never had a father figure in my life, oh. you know, until until he walked in, you know, so it was always nice. So yeah. it's cool. Dad wasn't around, huh? No, my dad wasn't around. He he was he was around, but he wasn't around us. You know, he was around, but he wasn't around us growing up. You see so. him around Davenport, but no. Um, when I was younger, we used to go by my my grandmother's house, which is his mother's house, and we'd hang out there and stuff. But he'd show up, whatever, and see his highs and stuff. But it wasn't like, hey, dad, how's it going? You know, he was just one of the guys in the crowd. You know, so it was a, it's a it's a rough life, but it was a good life. Our mom took care of us. Yeah. You know, she she did she she, she did her, her best. You know. So it was good. She sure did. She she bailed you out of jail that one day when we got in trouble out there ding dong ditching with that I was I was I was telling the dude, don't let me out. I was like, hey, don't let me out. And your mom is, is in their other room. And I was like, just can you just leave me in this room, please? I'm the here the rest of the year. I don't I just don't want to go deal with her. I do man. <laughs> I mean, if we're going, if we're going to go down, right? Let, let's go down doing something cool, man. We were ding dong ditching this dude, man. Yeah, yeah. That's so crazy, yeah. you know. Yeah, um, well, yeah. So, do you ever, um, do you ever go back to Davenport now? Yeah, yeah. I actually, I was just in Davenport maybe a month ago. Really? Went there about a month ago. Me, my, I went to meet my brother and his wife and uh, my mom. Well, went out to dinner and stuff. She loves going to this, this place called Rudy's. Rudy's Tacos. She oh, loves going yeah. to Rudy's. Is that this one still at Brady? Brady, yep. But the one she likes is the one down in Old Village. The one, oh. one of the original ones in the Old Village. Yeah. So we go down to that. But she loves it down there. So, so yeah, we're going to take her there and get her, her enchiladas. You know, she's happy. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great atmosphere down there, man. Davenport's growing up, man, and blowing up there. Man, and we, it's crazy because I never knew there was a farmer's market there. And my, my wife Googled it, and she said, there's a farmer's market down, downtown. I said, oh, that's where all the bars are at. Ain't nothing down there. She's like, no, the bars are, those bars are gone. She's Google earthing it and stuff. And she goes, oh, no, it's all, it's all, there's restaurants and there's um, a huge farmer's market. And you really? walk around it. And I was like, let's go down there. We went down there. Oh, it was beautiful. Davenport's changed so much. It's changed so much down there. It's nice. That's yeah, it's good. Real hey, so I was I was telling everybody about um you know uh, some of the things uh like the Steve Mallory thing you know yeah yeah Steve lived maybe five blocks from us as a kid I, I've known Steve since I was in like kindergarten when we're in wow. kindergarten together yeah went to Jefferson together um we ended up I ended up after we graduated from Jefferson I ended up going to, my mom didn't want us going to the the schools in our neighborhood because they're so rough. Yeah. And uh, all my family was going to like, you know, JB, JB Young, and Central. We're like, yeah, we're going to go there. We're going to go there. Well, my mom was like, no, y'all are not going there. I'm not raising no thugs. Y'all going out to Williams. And I went, to, I'm like, Williams? What the hell is a Williams? I said, what is that? You know, man. What is oh, a Shorten? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't even remember what the mascot was. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was like, I'm, I'm not going out there. I gotta take a bus ride out there. Because you gonna ride the bus out there. So man, the ride riding the bus with no heat, you know, in the wintertime ain't no joke, man. You really? stuck to the be cold, be cold in that bus. Oh, man. But that was one of the best moves ever made of Miss Lacey. Yeah. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Yeah. It certainly was. And then me and yeah. you, we had we had like this group that we used to hang out with, man. That was a wide variety of all different kind of personalities, man. And mm -hmm. uh, you know, and me and you, you have the you were like one of the tallest ones in the school, anyway. Then you got me, one of the right. oldest ones. I was telling our, our our listeners how you used to protect me and all that stuff and everything because I used to pretend like I knew how to fight, but I really didn't. <laughs> You knew how to fight. You just, you just, you just didn't want to. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was, I was scared of getting caught because, you know, I mean, uh, my dad being a cop, you know, and yep. that one phone call, that's all I was going to take, Mr. Shed coming there. So we, we had, yeah. our, had our fun. But uh, what do you remember most about your time at Williams and at West, you know? Oh, yeah. Friends, you know, meeting you, seventh grade, you know, it was, it was you know, Dan, Dan Dawson, um, you know, meeting, uh, um, uh, who's the other guy? Buckles. I remember him. He was always 
Yeah. Always a good influencer. He was Our always like an you know, encourager, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember uh, Derek. Uh, Santa. Uh, yeah, Santa. That's 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 the. Other. I, I mean, I, I Clifton. You know, Mike Clifton, his little crazy butt. You know, he. <laughs> he I was talking a little. We was called a little He Man, right? Something like that, because he always yeah. lifting weights. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Kevin Cartier. You know, I remember those names. It's like those guys were. You know, they were good people, good hearted, you know, they strong minded, you know, good athletes, you know, just um, we had we all had so much in common. You know, I think sports brought us all together, you know, but mm-hmm. the friendship stayed. They, they, it was almost like, OK, the percentage of black people that, who went to our schools and stuff like that uh, was very, very small and stuff. So. Yeah. And it wasn't like we were dealing with some people who would treat us wrong or anything like that. Those same guys you just named, you know, were all really good friends with us and stuff. Yeah. I think I think that what stands out in my mind more than anything is just the, the percentage of black kids was like less than probably 1% at all the schools mm-hmm. we grew up with. But we were yeah. part of the crew, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you remember that time when we uh, went down to, uh, did that, uh, you know, that fraternity thing? Uh, oh, at, at Jefferson? At yeah. Jefferson. Oh, it was oh, cold. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. This they got on you good. It was like, oh, yeah, you think you fast. You think you fast. <laughs> you think you, you, you can go rough from this, this A whooping. I don't know if I can cuss on here or not. But you know, you can you can't run from this a whooping. Exactly. You was like, man, why are they messing with me? Why are they doing this to me? <laughs> <laughs> One dude, I can't. I think it was I, I can't remember who it was, but they they got behind me, and I think they said that they thought that I had an attitude. They said, "What's your nickname?" Mm-hmm. I'm just like, "You call me Big Brother Crush." Big Brother Crush. What? Let me show you crush. And they got behind me and slapped the shit out of the back of my neck. Knocked me like like down two flights of stairs. <laughs> he stood over me like, you feel like you Big Brother Crush now? <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was so many oh, different things man. going on down there in Davenport. There was just like, where did this even come from? Robert came up and was like, hey, man, I got some of the, the fellows going to be doing this uh, one night uh, hazing for a fraternity. Uh, let's check it out. Yeah. I'm like, that sounds fun. It was one of the hardest things I think I've ever had to experience in my life, bro. It was bad. It was bad. And it made me realize that I never want to be in a fraternity. Because <laughs> they go on weeks, weeks on weeks hazing them in a fraternity, real fraternity. So I'm like, no, oh, you can't do that. Not at all. Remember, remember Junior. Remember Junior Moon, um, rest his soul. You know, I mean, he ended up passing away, but but that day. They went to Junior. They said, hey, you see that tree over there? And he's like, yes, sir. I want I want you to knock down that tree. That's exactly what they said. I want you to knock down that tree. And he said, immediately like, took off running full speed for this tree. And there was no way he was going to be able to knock this tree down. But he, he wanted to please the dudes, the Pledge Brothers, or, you know. And he went and he knocked himself out head first oh. going into that oh. tree. And the, the fraternity masters went up there and was like, guys, Use your head. I said, knock down the tree. And he, like, used his hand to knock down the tree as if he was knocking on the door. <laughs> knocking down the tree? Knocking down the tree. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, I, yeah, you right. It was a great, great experience and stuff. I mean, um, did you have to deal with anything like that when you went to uh, Western Illinois? I think I, was, I had a buddy. He was pledging um, with the cues, and I saw how, how they were and stuff, and I was like, I'm good. Not for you? I'm good. Yeah, I'm I'm. I said, I've been there done. I've seen what what this stuff can go. It's going on for weeks. I'm like, I'm good. You guys have that. I, I'll be your friend and say hi and wave at you guys when you went, when you march into the, the courtyard and stuff and you can't eat when you want to eat. I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I was older though too than a lot of people when I went to school. So because you know, I had been in the military and stuff and it was like, no. I'm not gonna have a little eighteen year old kid poking me in the chest. And I'm like, who are you? You're not poking me in the chest. <laughs> so that makes yeah. sense. You wouldn't want yeah. one of those nice markings, though, the branding, though, on your arm from the kids? No. That look, it looks painful. <laughs> it looks like it hurts. I'm like, it looked like somebody took a, a like a hot iron and I think that's what like, happened. <laughs> no, <laughs> right, it looks, right. It looks painful. I'm like, I couldn't do it. I just, I was like, mm-hmm. I like, I like my freedom too much. 
you know, so. I learned so much from you, man, because you, you kept it strong. You were one of those guys who, when we were just at that age, we're about to turn where we can get our license and stuff like that. We turn around and Robert already had his own car. He went out and he bought everything for himself. He was very, very yeah. reliant and disciplined like you would not believe. And it took the, the other ones in the groups to kind of like learn and watch. Hey, man, the, you know, let's make Robert our leader, man. Because we follow this other guy, all of a sudden we're getting in trouble and we're getting chased around these towns and stuff like that. You know, I remember that one time. Remember that one time when we were, we're, you know, young black, stupid black kids, man, driving around through Moline this particular time, and we, mm -hmm. but somebody, I'm not gonna say the name, obviously, but someone said, "Hey, man, watch this." There was this uh, white kid with long, long blonde hair walking through the parking lot. We thought this dude was gonna be scared, and, and I was driving. He's like, "Kenny, man, pull up there, man, watch this." And he said, "Hey." White boy! <laughs> <laughs> and the dude sprinted over there to Corey. What'd you say? And popped him. Oh, I keep saying the name. Popped him in the head. Remember that? And the next thing you know, we're being chased by a whole truckload of hickish looking. Yeah. But Robert, Robert was always that one who's like, guys, we got to stop doing this, man. I mean, uh, you know, you were always the mature one out of the group, man. So right I was just talking about mine whooping my butt all the time. I was, I was, I was like, man, I'm trying to eat butt whoopers. I'm getting whoopers every other day. I'm getting a whooping. I come in the house. Where you been? I was with, I was with Kenny. He was in the Start whooping me. I was like, oh my goodness. I just got tired of getting whooping. <laughs> I wasn't trying to get people in trouble, man. I was, I was a little knucklehead kid. I, yeah, but I figured it out. My, my dad, my mom and dad called me up to the kitchen one day after me getting in so much trouble. And um, and they said very directly, hey, look, uh, I'm, we're getting tired of getting these phone calls from your school. Now you have a choice. You either get your stuff together or you're going to have to deal with us. And, wow. and the look that they gave me was, it was fun time was over with. And Rob, I said, okay, I, I'm going to choose Zay. <laughs> yeah. Just to get my yeah. stuff together. And, you know, and ever since then, I started focusing on sports and stuff like that and kind of trying to get myself back together. So, I mean, Man, I had did. like you yeah. and your brother watching over me and I really started kind of trying to pay attention to to the sports world. So I thank you. I thank you for watching over me, man. And you and your brother, the way you guys did. And I was, it was, you were the, the protege. I was protege, man. Now he was Willie was my mentor. Protege. Will was mentor. Willie was like, y'all gonna do it this way. Y'all gonna listen. This is how we gonna do it. And and for sure we did. We listened to him. You know, you listened to him. You got it through. You pushing through before you before you know it. Where were we at? Running that state. You know, you're running that state. Yeah. You know, then you run that state again the following year. You, you know, yeah. then you're running just their relays. You yeah. know, then you, and it's like and we're winning and winning and winning. It was like man. This is nice, you know. This is this. I like I like this stuff. This is fun, you know. Yeah. And then and then and all that came with all the accolades that came with it, you know. You know, so it was nice. You know, yeah. we had we had we had a great a great, you know, come coming up yeah, as as youngsters in, in the eighties, you know, the nineties, you know, we or that's the eighties, mainly mainly the eighties, you know. So we we had it good. I pre yep. I hear you, bro. Um, before we wrap it up. I wanted to ask you a question right quick, man. Is there still a guy at your department who still has that rebel flag on the back of his truck? No, he got rid of that. He finally did? He got rid of that. He got, he, it was a license plate, like cover type thing, like whatever. But yeah, he got rid of that. Yeah, he got rid of that real quick. Yeah, he, he did. Did he get in trouble or did he say, you know, did he just start saying, well, you know what? I'm changing my stripes? The, the thing was, his peers were like, look, dude, it represents something, you know, very oppressive and it, re it represents something that's not what we represent up here and or, or with this police department he goes and you're driving this into our parking lot you know citizens see you park this car in the parking lot and you get out wearing that uniform and stuff and you go into that building and then you come out to the streets citizens see you they're going to perceive you a certain way if you don't want to be perceived like that mm. or you know having someone judge you prejudge you like that you shouldn't put those precursors at, uh, in, in, in front of them because then that's, it's going to happen that way. So he got rid of it. He yeah. got a little talk to it and he went outside to his car and he pulled that plate off his car and he apologized and said, I'm just, I like the, I like the flag because it reminds me of the General Lee or whatever he wants to say it was. I like, yeah, it was, it was a good show. You know, it was a good show. I said, but that, that was then, this is now. And, you know, he was like, yeah, I agree. I agree. But you keep your 
stuff that you whatever you want to do at home, keep keep it at home. Don't bring it to work. Because when you're in work, you're, in public, you're a public official now. You're you're in the public eye, and people are watching us. Oh, they watch. You know how it goes. You know you you you've been there. You know how you're you, you're watched. People see you and assume or or you know just because you know you're you're black whatever assume that oh i gotta I have to watch this person you know i gotta watch the person more closely because he might do a b c or d you know and not knowing that who you are where you from what, what's in your heart you know so but yeah he got he got rid of that right away once it was brought brought to certain people's attention it was like yeah this is this has to this has to stop you know, and he stopped. Unfortunately, I think for him, he, he did end up losing his job late, later on down the line um, really? for some un, unforeseen things, you know, but, you know, that's just... You think you're scared? Well, I, I want to say, not to put his personal business out there like that, but it came down, he, he had a business, his wife had a side business, mm-hmm. and they end up... Um, scamming i guess scamming the business whatever doing some taxes sex tax fraud stuff whatever and he ended up trying to cover it all up with, with the wife too and stuff and then he ended up losing his job because he was of course committing a, a crime so yeah. i mean and so uh but it's good to know it's good to remind our the listeners and stuff like that because we we're examples of uh, of a job that's very taxing it's very rewarding at the same time uh, but with, with it comes a lot of power and authority. And a lot of us, after a while, we start thinking we're above the law and we can get away with some things like that. Uh, I can't tell right. you the number of guys who I and girls who I've worked with. And then, um, you know, they they kind of uh, lapse in judgment at a particular time. Mm-hmm. I don't even say his name, but one of my training officers who I was supposed to have as a training officer was on, on my list. You know, FTOs are are highly regarded. And right. um, I just remember getting my list of uh, FTOs, and I remember seeing this guy like as my second guy. So and I just remember the name. And so when I got there, I you know, finished the academy, and then I was getting ready to kind of you know settle on in and for the field training program, I noticed right. that the name had been scratched off and it was replaced by somebody else. And I heard what happened. He got fired because he was he was at a whatever training in whatever city. And it was a very complex training, you know, it was like Intel type stuff and Intel gathering and very, you know, computer type stuff. So a lot of information Mm -hmm. had to kind of write down or take record of and stuff. And I think that he didn't have a thumb drive, right? So he couldn't save all the stuff he needed to and he couldn't, he was struggling within the class because he couldn't, he didn't have everything, all the equipment he needed. So the lunch break came and during lunch break, he only had a short number of time to, to get in and get out so he went to a store where he can get a thumb drive and so now he's rushed for time and now the line of people of cut who are being rung up is like long and huge so now he's looking at his watch yeah. and he's like oh sh- he run out of time so rather than thinking of all these other things that could have taken place he made the unfortunate decision to put the thumb drive in his pocket and, and head on out because he had yeah. to get, get caught right yeah yeah always being watched you were saying that that's how our young kids should start thinking you know if you're dealing with a police officer just know right that the police officers are they got recorders they got their uh, uh cameras on so they're always being watched so how should the the youth be <sighs> I, you know, I worked in the school for three years. I, I worked inside the schools for three years and actually was just surprised how far down the rabbit hole these kids have gone with wow. as far as their education, as far as their respect. They only respect themselves. And it's sad because they, some of these kids are so smart, you know, and talented that they don't want to use that smartness or talented for the good. They want to do it for bad. And it's like, you're too smart to be doing dumb stuff. You, you should be getting all A's. But you're walking the hallways and you're hiding out in, in, the, in the stairwells, smoking weed in school and, you know, and, and trying to find girls to pick up on instead of going to get your education. Because when you time out of school, once you're done with age-wise, you can't go back to school. You can't redo it. You know, you, you can get a GED, but who wants a GED? No one's going to wants to hire, hire you with a GED, not nowadays. Yeah. And if you got a record, I tell, I always tell a lot of kids when I was in school, if you get a record, whether it's disorderly conduct or you know, fighting or even a little marijuana ticket, I said, that stuff follows you. Mm-hmm. I said, it follows you. If you when you do want to change, turn your life around, go to colleges and stuff, they look at that stuff. And they see that, oh, this guy's a troublemaker. You know, he has a bunch of disorderly conduct tickets. He likes to fight. We don't want this on my campus. You know, and you won't get the you'll get denied. 
and then you wonder why you get denied and you want to play the race card and it's like it's not not the race card majority of the time majority of the time is your track record is what you build up you what you put yourself on you know you know i used to tell kids your at your attitude is your latitude if you want to go high change your attitude and you can get far in life because if you don't i said i, I, I tell myself look look at me like i said i come from impoverished neighborhood i grew up you know, poor, one parent home, three brothers. You know, I said, we struggled. I said, but my mom said one thing. She taught us how to wash our clothes, how to cook our food, and how to go to school. And she said, that's what you're going to do as long as you're going to be here. And that's what we did, you know. And we had fun. We played games. We had video games and stuff. But we, we spent time outside. You know, we spent, we spent time outside in the fresh air, hanging out with our friends and stuff, you know, and making memories and stuff, not playing video games and stuff. You know, video games were fun, but being outside, running around with your friends in the neighborhood or ride, riding your bike all the way across town to, to see your buddy who lived up to behind Williams, you know, and, uh, and, hang, and hang out there and stuff and, you know, walk the neighborhood or go play basketball or something like that. Now, those are memories you won't ever forget, you know, so... I tell these kids that make your memories now. You know, you, you'll be an adult soon enough. Romeo Blue, everybody. Yeah. Oh, this has been so enlightening. Thank you Baby so much C. for your time, man. Baby C. <laughs> C, my man. I'm proud man. of you, man. And uh, I wish you the nothing but safety and the best wishes en route to November 15th, okay? 16th. Yep, yep. Be yep. safe, take care of yourself. And um, we're going to do this again. We're going to do this again, my brother. 100. Thank you for your kind words and um, always being there for my kids. And I uh, tell the wife I said hi and thank you. Thank I her will. for completing my man Romeo Blue's circle. Yes, for sure, for sure. All right, brother. All right, my man. Well, Matt, when you need All right. me. All right. K Shed, out. <laughs>